Kelly, welcome to the very first first listen episode that we've ever done for this uh podcast is that true is it true uh you could say episode seven was the first listen mm. uh which was triplicate yeah. it was the last time we heard from bob dylan but the first first listen of original material I guess. of original material yeah. and it's the first time in eight years um so we're going to be talking about rough and rowdy ways now we are going to add the album and all of the songs to our spreadsheet they will come up randomly or inorganically or organically who knows uh in the future as we go forward um but probably for the rest of the year i mean i what are the chances that we get one of these? What if we get like all of them in a row? Uh, in a row. You know, 10 weeks you never know. Uh, started out with uh, Murder Most Foul in late March, you know, two weeks into quarantine. Well, about a week for us, actually. It was, well, when it was released, I thought you meant like recording. I was like, what? No, no. I, well, we don't know the recording times of any of these things. So who knows? I mean, my inclination is that Murder Most Foul was the first song that he did and was kind of like oh, set the tone I agree. for like kind of uh, just like a breakthrough. Yeah. And it's like, we're going to go. I got an album. Let's go. Um, he released that in mid-March and, you know, people were – honestly, I just thought it was like a one-off thing. Like, holy shit, this is so cool. Just – I mean, just on, based on the length of it, based on what's going on, it's like, dude, this is an album within itself. Yeah. I thought that would be more than enough. And then I Contain Multitudes came out of nowhere a month later. And then finally with False Prophet in May, he announced the album. And here we are. Critically, it's sitting at a 95 on Metacritic, five stars all around, 4.5 stars all around. I haven't heard a disparaging word about it. It's incredible to be 79 years old. This will probably be another number one album for him. He got his first number one single with a 17-minute song in Murder Most Foul. I mean, it just it's crazy after all this time, even just in my lifetime especially. I know people went through the weeds if they're older. But it's crazy that Bob just kind of keeps coming back and keeps like doing these, these, these feats at 80 years old. I mean, that's unprecedented. You know, Frank Sinatra was having a birthday party celebration of his life when he turned 80, which Bob will turn 80 next year. And that'll be the 30th anniversary of his 30th anniversary celebration. Um, And he could do a 60th anniversary. And I mean, how many artists in the world would be able to do that? Genuinely insane. He got a Lifetime Achievement Award back in the 80s. He's lived another (laughs) life. He's a whole nother life. Can you get two? I would say give the man another lifetime achievement. It's fun, crazy. Uh, let's. We're going to go track by track, but I want to get your take on this. So you are coming to this fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole shtick of our podcast is that you have never listened to Bob Dylan in any real way. Correct. Heard a couple of the big ones. And now you've listened to roughly 110 songs, which is where we stopped before. We're going to start back up again next week um, with our next song. But for you... You didn't listen to the, any of the singles coming out, correct? No. I listened to part of Murder Most Foul because you played it in the car on the way Had to work. In the car, yes. I was forced to listen to it. You're forced. So gunpoint, I <laughs> yes. did. There was a gun involved. Um, it's 17 minutes long, so you really couldn't. I, I and our what, drive to work is about 10 minutes. It's about 10 minutes. So, so I feel like I wonder what part was even on there. Who knows? Yeah. Um, what did you think? Just big initial thoughts about this. I know that we liked his crooner stuff. You were much more of a fan of Triplicate and more into that. Um, even episode seven, I would cringe to listen back on that because I probably had a lot of negative things to say, but I've come like almost full circle on this. But how did you feel about this? It's a long, long record. So going into it, I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, I listening, we've listened to a couple of full albums now, but like time is a bitch and technology changes and things change. And what I will say is that this is just beautifully engineered and mixed this is the best sounding sonically album that i've listened to by bar none and i mean triplicate was pretty close just because again we're dealing with a little more close in time yeah. obviously way more close in time because that was just 2017 and there might be some overlap there between yeah. those sessions and i feel like the, there definitely was because some of the mixing and some of the studio sounds i feel like were, were definitely the same but it's gorgeous and lush and like there is so much going on musically with this album that you really have to pay attention to Mm -hmm. catch it all and it's just like perfectly subtle everything every effect on a guitar every volume of every little percussive thing is like perfect and i was just really blown away by the quality of just the recording and 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 the mastery of it it's just like amazing yeah um and i definitely didn't know what to expect so like just that just on that level wonderful Great listen. And I, I think I'm going to buy the album. I think really? I'm going to buy it yes. on vinyl if oh, I wow. can. Yes. Oh, you definitely can. That's the only time I buy music is if, like, I can get a record of it because I'm a douchebag. But yeah. like, no, I mean, that's cool. Yeah. I, mean, I, I 
a lot of God, people are like if that. it's a fun color if he's it's got a fun absolutely color absolutely not and maybe like i was a little apprehensive oh, yeah, yeah, i could yeah. like put it off a little bit because i was like it's so long it's an hour it's so long an hour and 10 minutes yeah but i'm glad i listened to it for sure and i Good. will listen to it again Wonderful. i might skip some songs Great, and you have you yes, yes. So let's talk about that. So let's go. Try- Wait, no, but, 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 oh. what did you think? I I think that it's a, a masterpiece. I think it's. I cannot believe that he can still do it. I mean, I kind of just said that before, but I cannot believe that he still does it. And this is the first since he was the Nobel laureate, and I think it fucking stands stance tall like he didn't just go some weird other route he took everything he's been doing over the last 20 years not only with all the standards but also with the blues and he with this he's just breaking the mold which i just love i love that he's just not doing this idea of i need to have a fast and then a slow i need to have a ballad and then a, a quick song it's like no just put put it in whatever order you want whatever works um so so that's made it just inherently interesting to listen to to have two slow songs back to back or something and and they're all kind of slow because it's all very, like you said, lush is such a great word for it, and choral and all the backing vocals. That's the other thing so too. I was like, is he using dudes for the first time ever for background singers? Yeah. Holy shit! And it's so sparing and perfect. Like, yes. The restraint. There's a lot of restraint here. Where Bob, I think, just in limited scope of what I've listened to, really doesn't know how to edit himself sometimes. No, and this and it's live, and some of them you can really tell. So let's let's get into it because all these these ideas I definitely have. So we're gonna just do our kind of track by track. Hot takes. We're not going to do any real dives into lyrics. You didn't read it with the lyrics, right? You just no, listened no. straight up. Okay, so we're going to start with uh, I Contain Multitudes, the second single that came out. I fuss with my hair and I fight blood feuds. I contain multitudes. Got a telltale heart. It, it seems very personal. A lot of people kind of felt this, and I'll bring this up later, that this was kind of like what you do when you're going to die. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of those kind of albums coming out. And so it's just a lot of like, it's almost like he's declaring who he was. Yeah, but don't they say that about him like all the time? We'll get into that too, yeah. And outside of um, Murder Most Foul, um, this solidified after Murder Most Foul came out and it was just like this fucking explosion in your brain uh, to get something like this and to have it kind of match up with Triplicate and with Murder Most Foul, just kind of the etheralness of it all. Um, I was like, okay, this is going to be what Rush and Rowdy ways sounds like, even though the album had not been announced at that point. And then when False Prophet came out later, it's like, oh, shit, we're going everywhere. This is going to be great. The guitar sound is basically throughout the, the whole uh, album, that tremolo, like, tremolo guitar through the whole time, that like, jangly thing. It's, like, really, I don't know, it's really pretty and, like, light and airy and stuff. Uh, it also feels really dramatic and kind of theatrical. But lyrically, like, while I didn't super key into the lyrics – because it's that Walt Woman quote, right? What is it? Uh, do I contradict myself very well? Then I contradict myself. I'm large. I contain multitudes, right? So to me, that statement is a way to describe critical thought. I can hold two ideas in my head at once. I can feel this way, but seemingly feel an opposing way immediately. Right. I feel like the song does not encapsulate that. That because he's just saying stuff that's like not disconnected necessarily. It's no. like, isn't it ironic, Alanis Morissette, right? People give her a lot of shit like, these aren't examples of irony. This is just unfortunate yeah. shit that happened to you. Well, this is not an example of I contain multitudes, the embodiment of that idea. This is one person can have a black mustache and a red Corvette or Cadillac, whatever he said. That's not, those aren't disparate things. No. So it, it I, I felt that that was like a little bit of, this is not embodying critical thought. This is just stuff yeah right yeah I, I agree i agree and it's kind of like you want to read into it and he does what he does and lays those crumbs out and you're like oh yeah it's like no i mean i paint landscapes i paint nudes he is a painter so it's like okay i paint stuff i paint stuff what? i contain multitudes <laughs> uh yeah i mean that was probably my one of my favorite ones i i, I get some shades uh, there's a lot of like little references uh i stayed off of genius i'll get to that too i was on genius at first oh, just because i thought it wasn't going to have anything on it but i knew they had all the lyrics and then it was not the case so i but at, in this case right here i've already read the lyrics for this because it's been out for a while but i get some uh if if you see her say hello vibes um there's a, a line in here i'll drink to the truth and the things we said i'll drink to the man that shares your bed right i paint landscapes i paint nudes yeah and that's a lot of uh, shades on that and then of course we have uh when he says i have no apologies to make thunder on the mountain he already said that in our next song thunder on the mountain uh, i've already confessed no need to confess again i have no apologies to make so we're getting i don't know there's a lot of echoes here and then um we're going to talk a little bit about the douglas Brinkley um 
interview with the New York Times. You read that just apropos of nothing. He did have an interesting thing about his writing process. He says, it's one of the things uh, where you write on instinct, kind of a trance state. Most songs are like that. The lyrics are a real thing, tangible. They're not metaphors. Uh, The songs seem to know themselves, and they know that I can sing them vocally and rhythmically. They kind of write themselves and count on me to sing them. Uh, And then later on, I Can Tame Multitudes is more like trance writing. Well, it's not more like trance writing. It is trance writing. It's the way that I actually feel about things. It is my identity, and I'm not going to question it. I'm in no position to. You went to the Battlestar Galactica of it all, where it's like, where do the songs come from? They just existed, and they're coming through me somehow. Yeah. Um, I mean, for Tempest, he was talking about trans uh, transfiguration. He was bringing up a Hell's Angel whose name was Bobby Zimmerman, who got murdered in 1964, but it was actually later. Like, they yeah. fact-checked him on it, on the article. And it's like, no, this was all actually wrong. But Bob is sitting here talking about it the whole time. He's like, I, what am I saying? I don't know. Am I Bobby Zimmerman, the Hell's Angel guy who was killed? I never met Bobby Zimmerman, but you know, we're probably... Was that a real person? Yeah, it's a real person named Bobby Zimmerman. He's like, does that name ring a bell to you? But, I mean, this song definitely feels like that, like somebody just writing some shit down. Right. And it's great. I mean, it's, uh, you know, and if this is how he sees himself, it's how he sees himself, Kelly. False prophet. Well, I'm the enemy of treason, an enemy of strife. I'm the enemy of the unlived meaningless life. I ain't no false prophet, I just know what I know. I go where only the lonely can Six minutes long. The guitar tone on this is incredible. This is my second favorite song on the album. Yeah. It's it's just, it feels like the Black Keys. This feels like such a modern song, and it's yeah. so braggy and swaggery. It's just, so like, really good. It just... Yeah, what a powerhouse I wasn't expecting, especially since I didn't listen to it, even though this one's been out too, right? Yeah, this was the last single. This was the one that announced the record. Yeah, yeah. This was like a really big surprise I was not expecting, especially after the beautiful, dreamy Mm -hmm. song we just got. This was like, oh shit, the Black Keys are here. Hey, guys, come on in. (laughs) I know. You love a good brag song. Um, Thunder on the Mountain has a little bit of bragging too, um, because we're we're listening to that while we do this. But um, yeah, I'm first among equals, second to none, the last of the best. You can bury the rest. Like, fuck yeah, Bob, get it. I fucking love it. I, one of my f- favorite moments is the song. I actually wrote down. This is how you know if I care about the lyrics or if I'm paying attention yes. to the lyrics. Uh, I'm just here to bring vengeance on somebody's head. Mm-hmm. What with that? Dun, 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 dun. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Somebody's head. So I love it. And that's definitely a theme of this album, too. A lot of like letting off steam. And, and that's kind of a Dylan trope for the last 20 years to kind of like build up and then whew, let it go. Um, does that a lot. So. This, uh, I will say that I'm kind of tired of Bob Dylan doing like rockabilly blues, uh, but this one got me for sure. Well, I don't know what's different about this one. The other ones I'm like over it, uh, but this one. Oh, see, I feared that like, so we just heard False Prophet right. and I was like, oh shit, okay, cool. So then my own version of you was going to be slow. I've made up my mind. Uh, I've made up my mind to give myself to you is going to be a fast rockabilly song. Yeah. Black Rider is going to be slow. Goodbye, Jimmy Reed is going to be fast. It was Mother of Muses was going to be slow, and then Crossing the Rubicon was going to be fast, which kind of has an electric guitar mm-hmm. with some power, but it is not on the level. So he does break that mold immediately. Um, in the 2012 interview that we've talked about with Rolling Stone, when talking about the Tempest and the Titanic itself, he did say. That's what I feel that I'm best at, uh, being a folk musician or a blues musician. So in my mind, it's there to be done. Yeah. Uh, I know how it happened. I saw it begin. I opened my heart to the world, and the world came in. Ugh, so good. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, he, this is the trend, man. Like, look how transformed this music has become. Look what you, where you can go and yeah. what you can do if you embrace other instruments, other techniques, other sound stuff. Not that he's necessarily averse to it, but, like, no. this was done really well. Yeah. And, and this band has been playing with them for a long time too, and I think I think this is also it shows that they've they let themselves loose a lot on this one. We're grown together too. I yeah. guess you get more familiar, and you kind of I don't know. It's, it's excellent, excellent. Uh, the next song, one of my favorites on here as well, my own version of you. Uh, the music fucking slaps. I just like <laughs> I don't know anything else. The wordplay is incredible. I mean, tell me this isn't one of the best lines on this album. I'll take the sky face, but you know. And the Godfather Vando Mixing up in a tank And get a robot commando If I do it upright And put the head on straight I'll be saved by the creature that I create I'll get blood from a cactus Gunpowder from ice Fucking awesome shit 
So this is my favorite song on the yeah. album. Um, and I like because I'm basic and I like what I like. And this is the spookiest. Yeah, like it's vibiest. a Frankenstein man. He's Ugh. building. He, this is a some assembly required scenario. <laughs> it's, it's, like it's, this it's, is a Buffy some assembly required episode. It's so I'm bad. just like waiting for him to say I put a spell on you, <laughs> 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 and it would totally fit. It's just so good. Uh, and that descending baseline is a really classic mm. little refrain. It make, even makes me think of that alley cat. I got cat class and I got. Cat style. Like that. It's got that like cool, spooky, dark yeah. vibe to it. Oh, it's just everything, which I love. And the I, I would say this later, but like the drummer has almost nothing to do on this album, which is in the, in the strictest sense of like somebody at a, at a trap set, you know, but like um, there's so much percussion on this album yeah. that's not a traditional drum set but like him just like with his little soft brushes which he uses on much the whole yeah. album or whomever. It could be multiple musicians it probably is, but it's just Again, perfect. Just like I have an idea for like a sinister rockabilly type yeah. thing, and perfect. It's just so uh, visually evocative. Like you just feel the cartoon like fifties horror of it all. Yeah, um, I good. absolutely agree. Yeah, and that's Matt Chamberlain on the drums, Tony Garnier on the bass. Uh, we got Bob Britt, Charlie Sexton on guitar, as well as Bob, I assume, probably also playing piano. Um, and then Donnie Heron is playing the mandolin, uh, the fiddle, violin, uh, and I'm sure the steel guitar as well for all of this. Yeah. Uh, so those are constant. And then we have uh, the only other people that are announced, uh, Ben Montenge from The Heartbreakers, uh, who is probably, people have speculated, playing piano on Murder Most Foul. Um, so again, kind of something that was divorced from the making of this album, probably, that was probably made somewhere in the in-between. Uh, and then Alan Pasqua, who last played with Dylan, uh, he actually played the music on his Nobel Prize speech. Oh. Um, but he's he's an artist in his own right. But he last played on the 78 World Tour and um, on um, Street Legal. And uh, so we listened to him wow. on Senor and stuff like that. So, yeah, he came back to play here. Don't know exactly what. And then we have Blake Mills, who just released a new album. Uh, he's like a, just a guitarist, um, writer, singer himself. And then Fiona Apple, uh, contributing vocals as far as we know. But as to what else... I don't know. It's all kind of up in the air. I don't know exactly who's playing what, but those are musicians. But yeah, spooky. Um, I loved it because lyrically it like begins really small. Something like I'm really talking specifically about someone's head. I'm taking these aspects of them. And then it gets real big. He starts doing the you thing. He starts like, I can see the history of the whole human race. It's all there. It's carved in your face. Should I break it down? Should I fall to my knees? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Can you tell me, please? Stand over there by the cypress tree. Where the Trojan women and children are sold into slavery Long before the first crusade Way back for England or a miracle made Step right in to the burning hell With some of the best known enemies of mankind well Mr. Freud with his dreams, Mr. Marx with his axe. See the raw hide lash rip the skin from their backs. Got the right spirit. You can feel it. You can hear it. You got what they call the immortal spirit. It's like mm-hmm. this like fucking, I've now created this version of you. And it's like, oh, you're a fucking god. And I think, you know, if you just want to get to it, I mean, think Mother Amuses is like the dark or the lighter version of something like this. Like. This is creation. I created something, and now it's, like, grown bigger than itself. You know, I've made something out of whatever pieces are around me, and what it does in the world is not my concern, you know? But when I look at you, I can see the conquering of cities, and, you know, I don't know. Fucking scary. Yeah. Genuinely scary, yeah. And because he's done a really great job of talk singing a lot in this, and and the cadence of his voice is spectacular. He... He has a hard time singing, and we'll get to the moments immediately in the next song. But but this is like it so well fits. It's another rhythmic element versus just delivering the lyrics. It adds yeah. another level of instrumentation to it. The way he's he's saying the words, mm. great stuff. Absolutely, uh, I've made up my mind to give myself to you. Um, I think this is a fucking lovely song. Been thinking it all over, and I. Thought it all through. I've made up my mind to give myself to you. Uh, I think Dylan's voice is perfect. This to me is a 2015-17. This is like him triplicate. This song and just the music itself reminds me even more than I Can Tame Multitudes reminds me a lot of that type of style. And I think that's what he was going for. And the song itself is not, I don't think it's super lyrically that rich, but it's something, it's just beautiful. It's just like a beautiful love song 
that is like a standard in its own right. It's all, you know, it's got a lot of the cliche elements there. Uh, he's pulling from a lot of references as he does, but it's like, this song is going to be sung forever. Uh, just like, it's just, anybody can take it and remove it from this guy's and make it a three minute song, make it a 20 minute song. It's just, it's beautiful. And, you know, I think the music itself is very compelling and his voice is very compelling. Yeah, he, it's got the mandolin thing going on for this, yeah. for sure, which they use a lot in the album. Donnie. Um, yeah, it's my least favorite song. Immediately, I was like, oh, I'm going to feel all six and a half minutes of this one. Ooh, and see, I disagree. And sure did. Yeah. But, I mean, like, there's, there's still a lot of really fun stuff. I try to focus when I was like, ugh, yeah. he's singing, stop doing it, Bob. <laughs> like, you're you're doing your best, and you're a million years old, and I get it, but, like, dude, ugh, ugh. See, I disagree. I oh. Like, this on Tempest would be a nightmare. But this, Bob's voice has changed. Imagine Pan Blood Guy doing, made up my mind. I mean, I, I mean, like you might, I think, I think people hear that, but yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, it does not yeah. sound like that at all. So I was just like really trying to key into the music, which I, if you're not somebody, if you're someone who's just looking for the lyrics, which a lot of people are, and I think that you're definitely more lyrical minded where I'm just like, can I get that beat? Where is the beat? I yeah. need to hear it. Um, I, I, it's really nice to key. I think that you should listen to this album twice, even though I didn't. So, uh, <laughs> but I will listen to it again. Um, and, and really focus on what's happening musically yeah. and like get get it even they don't have to be super nice headphones they use kind of shitty headphones but yeah. they were in-ear ones which really gives you a big sound even if you don't have big nice over-the-ear headphones and just listen musically because there's a point there's so many different stringed instruments and so there's a point in this song where someone's on an acoustic guitar and there might be a baritone guitar somewhere in the studio um which you can definitely hear in the next song where they take the the chord that they're playing and they pluck that guitar so hard bunk and they disappear. It never happens again in the song. And I was like, amazing. What a yeah. cool little thing. So, yeah, lyrically and just the vibe of the whole song, not for me. This is my least favorite song on the album. But it's still, okay. there's still something. I, I Like I said, the production value on this, yeah. in, in the, not in the money-wise, just like in every sense of where the care taken and the thought put in, even in a song that it was not necessarily for me, it's like, wow, there's a lot going on here. And it's very cool. Thank you, Bob Dylan. And thank you, Chris Shaw. Did you catch the If I Had Wings? Oh, no. On the Snow White Dove, I preach the gospel, the gospel of love. Wow. Little dink song, huh? Yeah. yeah. Nice. See, this is the thing. I'm like trying to stay away, but these things, just because we just did that episode right. 109, I mean, two episodes ago. But yeah, if I had wings on the Snow White Dove, that's what I'm saying. It's like what you're pulling from is like the most, one of the most beautiful songs ever written. Yeah. Come on. You can't go wrong. But I get what you're saying. Uh, Black Rider, Black Rider, heavy senor vibes on this one. For I know. Me. I was like seven curses. Yes. Oh, 2027 curses thing. Clearly talking to death. Very cool. The ambiance is neat. There's like a distant snare. Like it's almost off mic. It's just pow. Black Rider, Black Rider. You've seen it all. You've seen the great world, and you've seen the small. Yeah, yeah. Great shit. I really like that. And and Dylan's very confident. He is brought to the fore on this. Yeah. And it's a really good performance. At first, I didn't really like it. This was actually my least favorite. But then, upon further listens, I'm like, this song's dope as shit. So I'm not 100% sure because I'm not, like, a music expert person. Right. Uh, But I I think they have uh, a Baroque guitar. I think I said baritone guitar earlier. Uh, Baroque guitar. Uh, in the studio because that's it's I think it's from like the 13th or 14th century it's like what we think of Spanish guitar was made and written on that guitar specifically okay and like obviously there's a huge that the Black Rider evokes that sound yeah definitely so it'd be cool if it was that but either way it just sounds really really good yes and uh, I like the song <laughs> yeah it sounds great yeah I mean be reasonable mister to be honest be honest be fair let all of your earthly thoughts be a prayer uh, and then, of course, Black Rider, Black Rider, hold it right there. The size of your cock will get you nowhere. I wrote that down. I was like, did he just say cock? Yes. Did he just say the size uh, of your cock? I'm going I'm to make you sad about this. There's a contingent online. Um, Dylanologists, in my head, are people that uh, – the first generation of people basically that grew up with Bob Dylan who did a lot of research. Clinton Halen, Michael Gray, all the stuff. They're yeah. popular writers. They're writers in their own right. They don't just care about Bob, but – They've really done a lot to, like, make everything about his goddamn life known. Um, the next level are his fans. Bobcats. Sure. I hate it. Are you a Bobcat? I, you a Bobcat? I think I'm just a Bobcat because I'm like Bob Dylan. I think that they would say I'm a Bobcat. It's a pretty good fan name. It's pretty good. But now there's this um, – and this is a Twitter thing, and this happens with all artists. But I was not expecting it for Bob Dylan, which is that there's um, the people that respond – like, on Twitter, Bob Dylan – 
puts out a tweet and immediately it's inundated with all kinds of accounts, mostly from anime characters that just say, daddy, daddy speaks, be quiet, things like that. And then one of them was like, oh my God, I get to hear Bob Dylan say the word cock on this, this song. And I'm like, what hath God produced? Um, so that's a whole nother level of this. I know. So I don't know if they're, I, again, they're anime characters. They could be real. They could be bots. They could be anything, you know, but everyone's got it. Any famous person, the first tweets are always daddy this and mommy that. And it's like, I just don't get the kids. I don't get the kids. I don't get the kids. I don't understand it. The kids are not all right. The kids are not all right. And then finally, uh, one more shout out to his, uh, triplicate period um shadows in the night the very first album that he did of of standards you know sinatra songs he does have a line in this some enchanted evening i'll sing you a song and some enchanted evening is the name of a song on shadows in the night. i live on the streets named after the saints women in the churches where powder page where the jews and the catholics and the muslims are pray i can tell the pretty from a mile away Goodbye Jimmy B Jimmy B indeed Give me that old time religion It's just what I need Song number six, Goodbye Jimmy Reed Jimmy Reed, Jimmy Reed indeed um, I love this, this shit was really good Jimmy Reed was a uh, bluesman from 1925 He died in 1976 It's good, it sounds like uh, False Prophet It's got the same bluesy but not as good. riff Not as good um, Shorter for sure. I was, um, the whole time I was like, is this a real person? A little bit of harmonica. Not enough of oh, a yeah. solo of any yeah. kind. But just like, I'm going to blow my harmonica for a minute. Which he's done on other songs. And it's like, oh, come on, Bob. Give us a solo here. Give us a solo. One of uh, Bob Dylan's most quoted quotes that I've definitely brought up on the show before. Uh, David Gates was talking to him after Time Out of Mind came out. And he said about religion, basically. He said, quote, I find all the religiosity and philosophy in the music. Songs like, Let Me Rest on the Peaceful Mountain or I Saw the Light. That's my religion. The songs are my lexicon. I believe the songs. And then throughout this, I feel like he's basically making Jimmy Reed a saint, if you will. A religion all among, uh, all, unto himself. Goodbye, Jimmy Reed. Jimmy Reed, indeed. Give me that old-time religion, just what I need. Goodbye, Jimmy Reed. Godspeed. Thump on the Bible. Proclaim a creed. Goodbye, Jimmy Reed. Good night. Goodbye, good night. Put a jewel in your crown, and I put out the lights. Um, so I, I, I like it because I like the idea of. I mean, I think a lot of Bob Dylan fans, super fans, Bobcats, if you will, if you will. Uh, you know, I kind of feel like. I mean, he said recently about you know the, these songs make you feel um, something about yourself, and that's what I think religion does. I don't want to say Bob Dylan is a religion, but I agree with him that music is a religion. Music is a way of life. Music is a way of seeing the world at large. And I think he's sort of tapping into that when he talks about that. That kind of quote, to me, I thought of him immediately with this because you're saying by listening to Jimmy Reed, you can live a good life. You can live a type of life. You can do this kind of thing. And it's kind of just like a, a nice song to somebody that he believes people should listen to and care about. I kind of like it. And then I got a hard rain's going to fall vibe. Um, he, he has a line, I can't sing a song that I don't understand. Of course, he sings, I'll know my song well before I start singing. So I, I didn't know if that was a real person. Yeah, or not, yeah. So. yeah definitely a real person. Um, but I will say, I'll break open your grapes and suck out the juice. Why is it always got to be sucking something? I know, suck a thousand cows. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. At the very end, when he says, can you hear me down in Virginia, down in Virginia is the song of Jimmy Reed. So, gotcha. yeah, yeah, no, just not for me. Yep. That's fair enough. Mother of Muses coming up next. Uh, the music is beautiful, understated. This is my least favorite song. I know a lot of people really love this song. And I get why they like it. I think that it's good in the same way that I've made up my mind to give myself to you was good. It's very standard. He really executes the idea that he's going for really well. But I don't necessarily care that much. I like Agreed. weird, spacey, put a commando in fucking like make a robot commando like i want a dylan-esque song i think i'm definitely more prone to the dylan-esque weird flourishes and not a really good song <laughs> and it's a really good song i think that this is another song that people i think are going to come to and sing in the future because it's just a big song that everybody it's a big tent song everybody can get in and mm. kind of feel the mother of muses is coming you know kind of stuff i don't know yeah, it's not for me either. This was number nine. So this was my least mm. favorite 
beyond the other one. Yeah. I made up my mind to whatever the title that never ends. I'm falling in love with Calliope. She don't belong to anyone. Why not give her to me? She's speaking to me, speaking out of her eyes. I've grown so tired of chasing lies. Mother music. This song to me, immediately when it started, I was like, oh my God, this sounds like a Christmas song. And it definitely has that vibe mm. to it. Like, specifically the little drummer boy. Yeah. Like, I feel like you could sync up the first 10 seconds of this song, <laughs> little drummer boy, and it's the same. You're just waiting for that. Ba, 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 ba. Um, Never comes. It's not the. It's very saccharine. The whole thing. It's just not for me. But I will like just music, instrumentally. That's a word, right? Yeah. Instrumentally, uh, that bowed bass is mm. gorgeous. Like, mm. and they use that on a couple different songs. Um, but it, I mean, it sounds great. And it, vibe-wise, when it dips into the medieval style, because it, which for me, like when you hear that classical guitar, right? That's what it evokes for me. But like. Uh, and that sounds good. I wish you would have leaned harder into the medievalness of it versus the like Little House on the Prairie Lifetime movieness of it because that's where like it really, I don't know. That's that's the overall vibe yeah. I get is the Lifetime movie, and I wish there are some bright, really bright moments for me that I enjoy that are more medieval. And I wish it was like the yeah. Renaissance thing instead. I'm gonna say that this is probably written because he won the Nobel Prize and he needs to like really connect on all of his uh, all the shit he was saying about Homer and the Odyssey and stuff in his speech. He's like. I really, you know, I got a, I got an obligation here. I really need to probably do a song like this just to be like, <laughs> I deserve the prize. Nice. Like, now I do kind of take it back a little bit to say that this is not a Dylan-esque song because there is, when he, when he has this line, he says, sing of Sherman, Montgomery, Scott, Zukov, and Patton in the battles they fought, who cleared the way for Presley to sing, who carved out a path for Martin Luther King. That's a weird line. It's a weird line in Mother of Muses. Uh, and then I love how he just gives up. He says, who did what they did and went on their way, man. I could tell their stories all day. Woof. Bob Dylan just gave up on this, this thread. I mean, I would. I totally could, but... I'm not not gonna. Um, and this, this, this started me down a rabbit hole in and of itself. And I do... When we get this song, I do want to talk about Tecumseh Sherman, Bernard Montgomery, Winfield Scott, um, Gregory Zukov, and Patton. Because he, he's referencing multiple ones, not only Sherman from the Civil War. I knew this, that was a Civil War guy. I'm yeah, proud of myself. Montgomery, I believe, was a... Um, an English general during World War II. Uh, Zukov was crazy. He was at Leningrad, Stalingrad, Moscow, the Battle of Berlin. He he was he was the one that accepted the German surrender it's for like the Soviet guy? Soviet Union. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then Patton was in the Pacific Theater during World War II. Wanted to new Korea, so that was a bad luck for him. Uh, he's got a movie after him, so you can go watch that. Patton clearly. Uh, but the Winfield Scott one's weird because Winfield Scott lived to the Civil War, but he was um, too old, sickly, and rotund to ride a horse. So he was not part of that, but he was a part of the Mexican-American War, which is a very strange thing to lump him into. But it's true. You know, Mexican-American War, we did take all of their land. So it does match the song, right? Because that happened, and then it cleared a path for Elvis Presley to sing. It's a really weird one-to-one, because it's true, that's part of it, but also did lots of other things, (laughs) some of them very bad things as well. then this got me down on a crazy rabbit hole. As I said, this is not the first Martin Luther King reference that Bob Dylan has ever done. The album Knocked Out Loaded. He had a song called They Killed Him, talking about Gandhi and um, Martin Luther King Jr. Another man from Atlanta, Georgia Ain't a Martin Luther King He shook the land like a rolling thunder He made the bears of freedom ring today With the dream of beauty Um, and like I said before, people thought that it was that this was going to be like a Black Star or Tree of Forgiveness by John Prine uh, or an Adios from Glenn Campbell. They thought it was going to be like a death record, if you will. Um, he has a line in this. Mother Muses, wherever you are, I've already outlived my life by far. Oh, no. That's scary. Uh, he also had a line. I got a, I got that ramble. Got that mind to roam. I'm traveling light. Traveling light was a song from Leonard Cohen's 
final record uh you want it darker which was his death record if you will mm-hmm. so not great we're not doing well um and i'm a slow coming home is how that ends but he also said i got a mind to ramble now there's a song on knocked out loaded called you want to ramble so i was like yeah you do yes because you want to ramble was our our ill-fated attempt at doing Supplemental something content? something like that um so i was thinking oh is this song just referencing knocked out loaded so then i went off the deep end dylan sings mother of muses sing for me sing of the mountains in the dark the deep dark sea and uh, in other words don't go drifting too far from shore which is another song for oh, That'd be amazing. Then he sings, uh, Forge My Identity from the Inside Out. You know what I'm talking about. And I thought, maybe someday, Bob, I'll know what you're talking about. Then there's, Show Me Your Wisdom, Tell Me Your Fate, Put Me Upright, Make Me Walk Straight, Forge My Identity from the Inside Out. You know what I'm talking about. And it looks like the narrator's got my mind made up. Oof. I'm falling in love with Calliope. She don't belong to me. Why not give her to me? She don't belong to anyone. Why not give her to me? She's speaking with me, speaking with her eyes. Sounds like the narrator's under your spell. That one was not very good. The last two were not very good. So let me try to convince you, Kelly. That the song is just about that album? It's just about Knocked Out Loaded. Okay. Calliope is not just the mother of muses, the chief of eloquence and epic poetry. A calliope is a musical instrument. Oh, is it? Have you ever heard of a calliope? Are you sure it's not calliope also? We'll get to that. I'm pretty sure it's like a keyed instrument right like a piano keyed a calliope uh, from wikipedia is one that quote produces sound by sending gas originally steam or more recently compressed air through large whistles originally locomotive whistles you're imagining the little locomotive whistle (coughs) yes a a calliope is typically very loud even some calliopes are audible for miles there is no way to vary the tone or loudness musically the only expression possible is pitch rhythm or duration of the notes now i keep saying calliope instead of Calliope. From steamboats.org, when they talk about the history of the Calliope on steamboats, it went out of favor after the Civil War because when you're on the... on Because the, it's loud as fuck. Because it's loud as fuck. Yeah. So they're like, we don't need anything like that. So it wasn't until 1877 that there was a boat called the New Sensation that brought it back and people were fucking stoked. <laughs> <laughs> um, so by that time, uh, this is picking up from that article, which you can find in our show notes, uh, the Steam Piana as they called it, uh, had captured America's imagination and simultaneously raised the ire of musical purists. And there's always been some disagreement over what to call this phenomenon. Calliope, the mother of Orpheus and the chief of muses, or Calliope. A 19th century magazine, Reedy's Mirror, settled the dispute, at least for river people, with this rhyme. Proud folk stare at me, call me Calliope. Tootin' joy, tootin' hope, I am the Calliope. Ah, the Calliope. So the Calliope has been used on being for the benefit of Mr. Kite by the Beatles. It's been used by the United States of America, the band. Uh, Tom Waits has a song called Calliope off of 2002's Blood Money, um, which I do have here. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to need to hear yeah. this yeah. instrument. So that's no shit. No wonder it's like a circusy type thing. Instantly, I'm like, I need some animal crackers. This is some Barnum and Bailey's bullshit right here. Yes. So that I mean, that's the vibe, right? Yeah. So that's that's what we're looking and at. That font, circus. Oh, totally. So the Calliope, right? Calliope. The Calliope. Sorry, the Calliope was used on lots of recordings, but it was also used on. Remember, I'm diving into under the uh, diving into knocked out loaded. Oh, we were talking about Bob Dylan. Don't forget, Whoa. Kiss. Kiss used this Calliope on their song Flaming Youth off of 1976's Destroyer, which is the album that has Detroit Rock City on it. So we all know that song. I'm just going to make sure I'm still recording because I don't want to do this twice. (laughs) All right. In 1991, Gene Simmons in the band Kiss got to write a song with Bob Dylan. He had been hounding him for a couple of years uh, when they've passed each other touring wise. If they could write a song, he wanted to write a song with Bob Dylan. And he said he called him Mr. Kiss. And he said, you write it yourself. And then finally he agreed to do it because Bob was at clearly a low peak. Uh, The song that they wrote together, Waiting for the Morning Light, did not appear until 2004 on Simmons' solo album, Asshole. Sure. 
On that record, there's a cover of The Prodigy's Firestarter, R.I.P., featuring a one Dave Navarro. Hey. Dave Navarro is the longtime host of a show called Ink Masters. Sure is. As far as I know, Bob Dylan does not have any tattoos. It's Ink Master. Singular. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a fan. Dave Navarro has been a longtime host of a show called Ink Master. I think he's still the host. It's still on. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he doesn't play music for a living anymore. So uh, He does get tattoos like it's his job, though. I'm sure he does. I mean, you've got to run out of skin at some point. As far as I know, though, Bob Dylan does not have any tattoos. You know who else doesn't have any tattoos? Chris Christopherson. Chris Christopherson's birthday is today, June 22nd, 1936. Happy birthday, Chris Christopherson. Where was Chris Christopherson born? Brownsville, Texas. Sounds like Calliope, you know, the mother of muses, is just a Brownsville girl after all. I'll accept my Peabody for criticism off mic. Thank you very much. Well, there was this movie I seen one time about a man riding across the desert and it starred Gregory Peck. He was shot down by a hungry kid trying to make a name for himself. Townspeople wanted to press that kid down and string him up by the neck. Wow. Wow. That was some 700 degrees of Kevin Bacon wormhole stuff right there, friend. So that's what I'm saying. When he mentioned Calliope, he was thinking about... Chris Christopherson. Chris Christopherson. And where he was born. And where he was born. Right. And Brownsville Girl. And Knocked Out Loaded. But then also Kiss and also Ink Master. So much. So much. I mean, who knows how his brain works. Crossing the Rubicon... Holy shit. I like how this song feels very live to me. Uh, you can hear Bob Dylan breathing before mm. he sings, which you don't hear on any of the other songs, at least as far as I could tell. And I listened like you, uh, headphones over the ears, loud, uh, which was fucking wonderful mm. and totally recommended. Um, but it was really cool. And, you know, the structure is very bluesy, but like slowed down. But I got to say, when Bob Dylan does a lot, the, you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, you don't know? Uh, worth the price of admission uh, completely. You really don't know. I feel the Holy Spirit inside. See the light that freedom gives. I believe it's in the reach of every man who lives. Keep as far away as possible. It's darkest for the dawn. I turned the key and broke it off And I crossed the Rubicon (laughs) I mean, that's something I do not expect you to hear Appreciate, appreciate, care about But I know that everyone out there who, you know, has been listening to him forever It's just like, holy shit, that's great You just want him to be playful I like it when he's playful And I like it when he just, he delivers a line like that Which is the darkest before the dawn Heavy meet me in the morning vibes. Um, they say that the darkest hour is right before the dawn. Um, so he's clearly, I mean, in my head doing another sort of referential sort of thing. So it's very cool that he can back away from it and just like feel that music. Just feel it. Oh, Lord. Great. It's my favorite of the little like, it, I like this better than the Jimmy Reed one for as far as like the blues rock. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But false I like that it's slowed down. I mean, yeah, well, that false prophet's the best one. But like, I like that it's slowed down and it definitely has a groove, especially when the little lick kicks in when the the drums actually do something other than with the brush. It's like, bam, 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 bam. Like, that's nice. Yeah, the build-ups. Yeah. Yeah, it's another really good build-up type of song. Um, Yeah, I got another, um, like, Idiot Wind vibe when he says um, in this song, I'll make your wife a widow. You'll never see old age. And uh, in the that's the, in this song. That's in this song. Okay. Yeah, I'll make your wife a widow. You'll Dang. never see old. Day. I know. And the very first lines of Idiot Wind are famously, "They say I shot a man named Gray and I took his wife to Italy." And Italy is where the Rubicon is. That's the Rubicon is Caesar know. crossing the Rubicon. Now we've been told in all the interviews and all of the reviews that everything's very literal. Like when he says the Rubicon, he's like. He is himself crossing the Rubicon. Sure. Um, but just being in Italy, if he's even in Italy, then at least, you know, I say I shot a man named Gray and took his wife to Italy. I'll make your wife a widow, which he did. So that's him. Like, come on. Come on. Like, that's a little too close. Um, and then another reference to Shadows in the Night, 2015's first album of standards. Uh, the Killing Frost is on the ground and the autumn leaves are gone. Autumn leaves being a, 
another one. So a lot of those type of things. But I liked it. I think the lyrics are pretty cool and, I don't know. It's all right. Another one that I kind of struggled to get through. Like, I got a little bored and yeah. it's a little too long. But um, too long. Again, the best of the, the slow blues that isn't False Prophet. Yes. Speaking of long, Key West, Philosopher Pirate. I mean, it's a pretty good title. <laughs> it's a great title. I mean, what the fuck does that mean? I have no idea. The Philosopher Pirate. We get our accordion back, first time since Together Through Life. Mm. Um, or Did I not mention that? Is it not a accordion? No, 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 it is. Uh the in uh, Mother of Muses. Oh, is there? Is it there? It's so subtle. Mm. I was gonna jump in when you said something. I was like, speaking of subtlety, did you catch that organ? It's for a second, or not organ, accordion. accordion. I thought it was an organ, but I was like, oh my god, that is the quietest accordion I've ever heard in my fucking life. Again, a testament to the amazing leveling levels yeah. and mastering EQing, I guess, of this album. Anyway, so yes, the accordion. Or the Are Low we... Slobo showed up and they were like, I don't want to, I don't know, Bob, I don't want to jump in on this song right away. I was kind of practicing for Key West, so. <laughs> but yeah, just put a mic away from us. Right, yeah. And it's like, Chris, just turn they us do down. They sound like they're almost outside of the room. I was like, <laughs> impressive. Because that shit's loud. Accordions yeah. are fucking loud. Anyway. And I don't know who's playing it because we don't know who's playing any, song, any accordion that's not on there. Let's say it's Fiona Apple. It's either the Low Slobos or Fiona Apple. There is no in between. There is no in between. <laughs> Radio signal. Clear as can be I'm so deep in love That I can hardly see Down in the flatlands Way down in Key West Key West is the place to be If you're looking for immortality Stay on the road Follow the highway uh, I genuinely, this was a song that I didn't take a single note on. I was kind of like, kind of, you know, hunched over, just kind of like staring off into blank space listening. But this was the only one that I just sat back and I was like, because I was, I was looking forward to this one. Uh, I've heard that this is the song. This is the good one. This is the big one. Really? Outside of Murder Was Foul and the ones we already know. Like we get this weird McKinley reference right at the beginning, which I don't understand. Uh, and then the song is the only one with a chorus of some kind. So you should be on board with it a little bit. But then he's also really playful. He's like, uh, there's lines, I got both my feet planted square on the ground, got my right hand high with my thumb down. Such is life, such is happiness. It's hot down here. You can't be overdressed. It's just so, like, quotidian at times. But then, I don't know, it's got this underlying sense of, like, whatever sort of thing you want to bring to whatever Key West is in your brain. As someone who grew up in South Florida, so that's yeah. let me tell you that it is not paradise. It is flat. He is right. It's There's right. a line that he says that I couldn't tell if he, because again, I didn't look at the lyrics, where he said, Key West is the land of either limes, like the fruit, or lights. And the latter is not true. Limes, yes. But yeah, I don't, I, I, I've not spent a lot of time in the Keys. I think as a family, we only vacation there once or twice. I, again, have the worst, shittest memories. They're all conflated with, was it was it the Bahamas or was it Key West? I don't remember. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fucking hot. He's right. All the things that he says about the temperature and the flatness, <laughs> all the geographical elements, correct. Right. Uh, but as far as it being your yeah. philosophical answer to all things, yeah, disagree. So I think just for me straight up, we'll get into this as we go forward. And I will keep li- – this is a song I'm going to come back to a lot, a lot. But for me, I think that Key West – I've never been to Key West, but I, I know about Key West. And I know about Key West in terms of the – what Bob Dylan is singing about in the music that he reveres, Key West was a huge thing in the early 20th century. Key West was like, because Florida was relatively new, if you will. Right, yeah. Everyone came to Key West. So That's for me, was getting to Cuba and all that kind of shit. Yeah, too. totally. Yeah. Absolutely. So for me, it's obviously an easy one is death. Like he's there to die. It's like, this is sort of That's an afterlife. You're going to retire. It's a place where you exactly uh, or uh, or the afterlife like this is sort of like the afterlife is kind of a spooky, scary type of thing. It's not what you thought it was. Or it's like the moments before, like the spooky bliss of like, again, going to die. Right. So like I'm going to Key West in that I'm like going to a retirement place or whatever. But it could also be commentary on the end of that type of era. Hemingway famously was there. That's where he wrote a lot of his great. Uh, the what is it the fish the old man in the sea he wrote that about it's in Key West mm. um, so Hemingway was huge there Tennessee Williams was huge there and it, just a simple you know look on Wikipedia confirms Don uh, John Dos Passos was there the USA trilogy uh, Winslow Homer the painter was there poet James Merrill Shel Silverstein Wallace Stevens were there uh, it was a huge place in the the, the the 
from the before the 60s, if you will, that people lived in. And I think by him making commentary on it, I think that he's sort of implying in a way that the ghosts of these people might still be around there. And maybe he's there with them well, type of thing. Like it's an artistic paradise artistic. kind of thing. Or more than likely um, – Jimmy Buffett lives there. So he was he was there probably visiting Jimmy Being Buffett. A <laughs> and he probably was just like, Key West is cool. I'm I'm way too I'm hot. I'm hot. Add that to the lyrics. Add yeah, the... that's a persistent thought in Florida, period. Uh, I've said Jimmy Buffett on this podcast more times than I've said it in my life beyond it. So. He is friends with Jimmy Buffett. So that's what I mean. He probably in, a, in real in life. Real that's life. what I mean. He probably went to Key West just to hang out with Jimmy Buffett. And then was like, I'm gonna write the song. And Bob's like on another planet. Like he loves to hang out with like Margaritaville dudes, but then he's like, Yeah, I'm just gonna go write a song really quick. And and Jimmy's probably thinking, like, oh yeah, he's probably gonna write a song about this hamburger. And then fucking Dylan's like, I'm thinking about death. I'm thinking about right in this like epic Meanwhile, song. Jimmy's like, beers, beers. food. My dad, like, of the few memories I have, be on a boat, my dad blasting Cheeseburger in Paradise. Blasting! <laughs> like, he needed everyone in the ocean to hear it. <laughs> so, I do think that there's a little bit of that. And then finally, the only other commentary, I think that it might be true, is that global warming, man, key less the horizon line, it might actually be a horizon line, you know? Um, it could not exist. And so, I... He has a great quote in Brinkley's interview, which, uh, you know, I don't want to bring it up all the time, and this will be the last one. But he said, talking about mortality and his death and all that kind of stuff, he says, quote, I think of the death of the human race, a long, strange trip of the naked ape. Not to be light on it, but everybody's life is so transient. Every human being, no matter how strong or mighty, uh, is frail when it comes to death. I think about it in general terms, not in a personal way. And I think it's interesting to have a personal song of just a dude walking through Key West, but have it mean all of these things. And that's not new to any Bob Dylan songs. But I think if you're thinking about the death of the human race, global warming has got to be up there. And, and someone like Key West that has this you know, cultural tradition that is so rich um, and not just the, the, those white dudes hanging out. They're, you know, is their vacation homes, but its own traditions that will be lost to this world is so it's spooky it's spooky i i put this up there with my own version of you there's like some cool stuff happening with the the clean electric guitar tone that's happening there's a little like sprinklings that's really nice uh i i like when he goes into the radio Mm. aspect of it just like because that always appeals to me it makes me think of like hedwig and the angry inch um the midnight radio song uh where like the pirate, the pirate is the philosopher. Pirate is ah, the pirate yeah. radio. Yeah, the pirate radio, of course, yes. And then just like how big that was for the um, the U.S. radio stuff. That's that's what the headway in the Grange stuff. It's about uh, pre the wall, Berlin yeah, Wall yeah. coming down. All those pirate radio stuff and like yeah. how this was not in the song. I don't yeah. think, but like it just made me think of uh, like why music is so powerful and being able to. I hear that for the first time. You hear the fucking American radio for the first time and all that kind of shit. Which is what I wish the song was about, but it's not. And so, yeah, again. But, really but by, by hearkening to it, it doesn't mean it can't not be about it or even those ideas don't permeate the rest of it. I, it's like a great Dylan song. It's just you bring whatever you're going to bring to it. And you don't even have to go to Key West to enjoy this. I'll oh, tell you. And he uses the um, the choral singers again. Really, mm-hmm. Yes, yes, way. absolutely. Like, and then they're gone. Cannot wait to talk about that one fully. And finally, we'll end with Murder Most Foul. Definitely will not spend any time on this one because mother of God. Uh, it is a long song. So I'm curious for you. It's a long song. It's, I'm in my head, compelling throughout, even just lyrically. It just keeps going. Um, I never feel bored listening to it. Um, how did you feel before I kind of say what I think? This one was tough because it is so long. Mm-hmm. It, but God damn the piano. For an instrument that, like, or – like for how meandering it is, I don't understand how this song is held together. I agree. It's a really big exercise, and like you just have to let it in. It, it gets to that point of like uh, improvisational jazz, like where it gets too much, and I don't like that. But this never hits me like that. But it's the same kind of thing where it's not really fitting in the frame of any other construction of a song, because it, it goes everywhere and mm-hmm. it never stops. And while like th- it certainly. It's going to stay – I mean, again, I'm not a musical expert, so I might be talking completely incorrectly at this point. But, like, it, I'm sure it stays in the same key yeah. uh, where it doesn't have too much variance there. But, like, yeah, it, it stays interesting. It never it's, – it's not the same – the person playing one chord and, like, a little line over and over again the whole time. But the fact that other instruments are coming in and doing shit on top of that when, like, how are you catching this? How are you getting into that rhythm? But everything that comes in works perfectly. 
The day they blew out the brains of the king Thousands were watching, no one saw a thing It happened so quick and they're so quick by surprise Right there in front of everyone's eyes Greatest magic trick ever under the sun Perfectly executed, skillfully done Wolfman, oh Wolfman, oh Wolfman, how Rub-a-dub-dub, it's a murder most foul If I knew the references like that, the words themselves could be a lot more powerful because when you say yeah. this thing, just like any, you reference literally anything, you're saying this thing because you're saying it for a reason because there's power behind that thing. But I can't really speak to that. I don't, and I don't think any of that's necessarily true. I, for me, I mean, this is just very on the base of base level. JFK is assassinated. Half the song is basically about JFK dying right. and what's going on. Every one of those things are referencing the JFK conspiracy and just like what happened in there, which my mileage does not vary at all on the JFK conspiracy. Do not know anything about it. Don't really care about it. Um, but Bob Dylan does. Right. Um, and uh, but then juxtaposing that with all of the music of the time for me, this all came down to this crazy event has happened. What do we do when crazy events happen? We listen to music. We, we go to the things that bring us comfort. And th- when he when he starts mentioning all of it, it goes outside of time. He throws Stevie Nicks in there. He was she was not around in 1963. It's something that you can imagine being written about our time, not in this time, because you you've made mention of like you hear the word Instagram or Twitter or something you would laugh but and say like oh no that won't be in a song and if it is I don't want to hear it but there's a world and I think this song proves it that you can far enough removed from something turn these songs that even some of these songs are just bubblegum pop hits that nobody thought would outlive I mean nobody knew saw the internet coming People just bought these records and it was like disposable. Nobody thought we'd ever really listen to them again. If you don't get on the radio, the moment you fall off radio, who's ever going to go and find this? There wasn't a market for people going out to buy records. They invented a fandom. They invented people that search out records and proselytize about artists and fall in love with them. And it's not just something disposable. They're human beings with stories to tell. And that happened during Bob Dylan's lifetime. And I think with this, it's sort of taking all of that, some some of it trash, some of it iconic, some of it Shakespeare and shit, just popping it all together and just being like, these are the things that we do when stuff go wrong. Play me this song. Play me this random thing. Do this thing for me. Let's go with this. And fucking just, and then I just love that it's just, he goes and goes because it just never really ends. Well, we've talked about that before, uh, both on the podcast and just personally, that Bob Dylan is definitely a student of music and has a huge appreciation and knowledge. Like, what a wealth of fucking knowledge. That's why listening to Theme Time was so fun. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, in some alternate world where I have all the time, I would love to just listen to that on my own. Sure. Even because he can speak to it so freely. Like, can you imagine having a Like, if you and I were able to do this podcast and we actually knew anything about anything. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be incredible. We could just rattle off like a historian. Yeah, about totally. All these incredible artists that have existed throughout time. And, well, and to be able to rhyme them. That's a whole other thing, too. When you can rhyme and put it in such... They're just really short verses over and over over this song that is seemingly always on the verge of falling apart, but it stayed together because the rhymes structure is so rock fucking solid. Well, I mean, because I, you have this encyclopedic knowledge right there, absolutely. For, especially for a guy who's seventy nine. I mean, regardless, he might have written this first. Okay, so he was seventy five, but still, he's just yeah. like right there. Of course, I know who that is. Like, yeah, like, I mean, uh, this to me is like this is something you work on your entire life. Yeah. I mean, there's even a moment in the song where it's like. You know, the day that it happened, someone came to me, son. You know, it's like he's referencing somebody in, ni- in November 1963 came up to 22-year-old Bob Dylan and was like, son. I mean, he probably didn't say this. The age of the autocrats has only begun, right? But, like, it's just wild to hear that. And you're like, oh, fuck. Bob Dylan was here. He was alive. And it's always – everybody always talks about that. You watch something like Mad Men as somebody who's our age younger. And you're like, oh, yeah, you always hear where were you and JFK – died and it's just something old people talk about and then when you watch it in fiction you watch the madman characters that you have fallen in love with that's going to be something they remember for the rest of their life it's crazy to think of little bobby being too young to remember it but then sally being like eight years old being just old enough to remember and then you can see sally in 2015 as a 60 year old person or whatever conveying that to like her granddaughter or something it's wild and you see it all at the same time in a TV set, you know? And I think with this, it's like, it just transcends all time. He doesn't go to like listening to two chains or anything like that, but you could do that. I think Bob Dylan could keep going with the song and just start bringing in 
everything. You're listening to Kendrick. You're learning, like everything could be in this right. song. And that to me is just like what's cool about it is that it's it, it it's just a song if you believe in the link in the chain. What a cool link to put out there that someday somebody not in this way, not in a cover of Murder Most Foul, but they'll make their own Murder Most Foul where it's an encapsulation of a whole generation of people. It's just fascinating is what it fascinating. And I just don't think any word was wasted. I don't think any syllable was wasted. And I can't think of the last time a Bob Dylan song has achieved that. I mean, that's just my opinion on it. It's impeccable. And I can't believe it exists. And I can't believe it was released as just like a rando signal, single out of nowhere. Things a little too long. But I will say, <laughs> musically. I can't, I can't in any justification <laughs> say, trim this man down. There's no world where I'll say, cut a verse, Bob. Don't do it. I, I Give me two and a half hours. Give me forever. I mean, there's, I want it all. And this is well-crafted. Is it long? Sure. God, False Prophet could be a, a three-minute banger. No, don't do it, Bob. Just fill up the whole album. Do it. Uh, uh, when the song first starts, I couldn't tell what that instrument was. Cause yeah. I, at one point, I thought it was a fucking didgeridoo, but it's definitely a bowed, I think maybe a contrabass or double Ooh. bass. It's so low and big. It's like, holy shit, that's amazing and gorgeous. And like, I don't know if you notice, there's a lot of studio sounds, too, where people are kind of maybe just walking in and out. I mean, It's a sure long song. Recording forever. People got to move and do stuff. And the fact that they kept that in is great. Uh, it just feels... Yeah, maybe I, you know what? To be honest, now that we're all talking about that, and you're saying that probably Fiona playing it. Like, I mean, you listen to uh, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Piano? Fetch the Bolt Cutters. That she he might be playing that in her house. Uh-huh. You know, that whole record is right, right, dogs right. fucking walking around. She's petting a dog at one point. Like that ambiance is part of her music, and I wouldn't be shocked if Bob is at her house and they're fucking be, playing this. But there's a lot of stuff going on here. There's a, a huge amount of percussion. I think there's like timpanis and bongos at one point where like, I don't know how feasible that would be to get into a room. But... She does it on that record. She All of it's recorded in her house. So. Yeah. And there's definitely a point where one of the fiddles, like it's a violin or, or, or something or a cello, where it's making this like careening metal sound. Mm-hmm. Fucking incredible. Yeah. So musically, whether or not like we can argue about the lyrics and I don't care enough to argue one way or the other for yeah. sure. Uh, but like musically, the fact that you can do that for 17 minutes and it's like, it never it, feels like this is the same thing. Over and all of the verses are not linked up. It's not like you're waiting for, oh, you can feel the 16th line come in and he's going to say murder most foul. He doesn't betray that. Like some lyrics, you know, the one first one 16 and then it's 24 and then it's fucking 30 and then it's 48. You know, it's just you can't tell. And it's like, man, I wonder how long you practice that. What a fucking song. Yeah, to try what to, is the story like, of the song? Yeah, to try to get down, man, I would love to know because it is just a work of work of art do you want to know my favorite thing about this song and yes. the thing that gave me chills like what so <laughs> my favorite moment of the entire album actually um was i, I listened to it and i just kind of i think I, by default i have my um spotify to repeat the playlist mm-hmm. so if you're listening to an album I'll just repeat the album so i was listening i was making my notes and i was like fucking 17 minutes oh my god and uh as i was writing um he, the last time he says murder for most foul and it's like going going I was like okay so we're gonna peter out here and then um the first song what's the first song oh I, I can take multitudes. multitudes started and I didn't notice uh, I was like do you know it is... it's the same song really? the very beginning of I contain multitudes is that is murder most foul mm. and when that happened when I looked down and it was already playing that song I was like oh my god yeah that was incredible. Like, wow, what a revelatory moment. And that's the only thing, you, like, when you hear an album for the first time. Yeah. They love me or leave me by the great bird town. Play the bloodstained banner, play murder most foul. Oh my God, this is the beginning of the album again. And and yesterday too, like even just commenting on the song before. Even now, just like, ah, what? Because it gets you. It's like, holy shit. Well, it seems like that song is fucking great. That's the consensus. 
So final final thoughts. I want to know your ranking just straight up um, of the songs and which ones you're like excited to talk about for whatever reason down the line. Yeah, definitely uh, False Prophet and the one after that. My own version of you. Yes. Worst to best. Because that's how you do top ten things. Worst to best. Long song title song. I've made up my mind to give myself to you. Number ten. Number nine. Mother of Muses. Not for me. Number eight. Goodbye to Jimmy Reed. Okay. Key West. Six, okay. Crossing the Rubicon. Five, Murder Most Foul. Because of the length. I know I just went off effusively about it. Yeah. But again, my favorite moment was not necessarily the song, but the way that it transformed the song for me once I realized yeah. it was part of uh, I Can Tame Multitudes. See, but divisiveness is good. It's one of those things that you want to come back to. You want to be like, well, yeah, if you feel a certain way, maybe that's interesting later on. But mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, because you said nothing but great things. I know. And then it's that low, which is fine because the rest of it is so strong. I get it. Yeah. Black Rider, number four. Number three, I Contain Multitudes. Mm. Number two, False Prophet. Number one, my own version of you. Yeah. Because spooky fun times. Spooky fun times. And yeah. he's good at spooky. There's no real murder. I mean, just say, I'll make your wife a widow or whatever on that one. But there's no murder Bob, really? I, do you get a murder Bob vibe at all? I Maybe mean, for a version of you. Yeah. Because it's also kind of spooky. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a horror Bob. Yeah. It's less of yeah. like murder. Which is different. That it is, is totally different, different yeah. because usually he's got like a Western, I'm a gunslinging murder, murder kind of thing. But this is like. No, no. Yeah. I'm fucked up. <laughs> I'm fucked up. I'm cutting you into pieces. Explicitly. Explicitly. Which is intense. Yes. And I love it. Um, I'm excited to get that song again just because I want to hear it again. It's but like it. I said, like this is the first album I think we've done that I'm like, I want to listen to this yeah. again. And soon. This is the best experience I've had with Bob Dylan as an album for sure. And things I want to go back to. I think obviously we need to go lyrically on all of them. Yeah. Um, and even. Some of them aren't. My that. own version of you. that like I just want to hear it again. But. As far as things I want to go back and dive into, I guess Murder Most Foul just yeah. obviously is the, the big one. Yeah, it's a big one. So. I will say that going into this, I because the the morning when it came out, and you're like, it's getting really good reviews. Or like even before that, because people get it early, obviously. A couple days before so, that. I don't know why it's not gone. I mean, like, maybe if you're a Bob Dylan fan, this is the best thing that's ever happened to you. But yeah. like, I don't know why it's like, objectively good. Oh, my God. I was really pleasantly surprised. Good. Just because what amazing instrumentation and mastering and just great absolutely wonderful my final thoughts too i when i first listened to it i actually thought the middle was the weakest black rider down to crossing the rubicon Mm, as you can see my star is not on there um then they'll probably come but um yeah i just i thought that this was like kind of the lull Mm -hmm. uh before key west came and i was like i kind of know this is the one if this really is the one that we're really amping up to that and that's kind of how i think my prejudice is going into the very first time and then i listen to it again then i listen to it with the lyrics so i've heard it four times total now and i it's just all so good and i love the sequencing and he's never been an artist to kind of fade in in between stuff so i've never expected that these are independent songs for the most part except for like we just talked about with which is crazy. I'll leave Bob Dylan to have the last word. Um, this is from his 2012 interview during Tempest with Rolling Stone. He says, quote, if we're responsible to ourselves, then we can be responsible for other people too. But we have to be responsible to ourselves first. People listen to my songs and they think that I'm a certain type of way. And maybe I am, but there's more to it than that. I think they can listen to my songs and figure out who they are too. Kelly, I will see you next week for Thunder on the Mountain, starting back up music video month. Uh, we listened to a brand new Bob Dylan album here, and this was the start of Modern Times, the first track off of Modern Times. Set the tone, so we're going to talk about that and watch the music video. So thanks so much for listening to our long ramblings on Rough and Rowdy Ways. <laughs> and initial ramblings. Initial ramblings, and we will be back to talk about the album uh, again. That's we might, point. yeah, you, and we've used some clips for Empire Burlesque, so we'll probably do that here too. Go back and revisit our thoughts uh, that we have right now. So we'll see you next week. Adios. Bye. Down in the flat lines, way down in the Key West. Key West is under the sun, under the radar, under the gun. You stay to the left, and then you lean to the right. Feel the sunlight on your skin And the healing virtues of the wind Key West, Key West is the land of life